Rogers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Five-star final, JCM Jones from the Mothership and Dirty Sauce Soccer. Joe Patrick, night to win the game, and Dirty Sauce Soccer is over there. Joe, welcome to Hot Take Monday. Let's go. Monday, Monday, Monday. I don't know if I told you that was coming or not, but I've been, I, 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 I've, I been, I've been complaining so much in the Discord the last like couple days about things that like literally don't matter that I feel like Hot Take Monday is gonna is gonna take off for me here. I'm also like kind of grumpy. It's early in the morning. Like let, let's do this. There's Dude. all sorts of other things going on that have. Made me upset and irrationally angry about everything in the world so it's cool it's, let's it's do this a wild monday of course i've last night the whole super league thing broke and then me as the tottenham fan who's yet to take down my tottenham scarf uh <laughs> fired jose Mourinho. we were just talking about this before the show i should be happy this morning and i'm failing to feel the joy of a sacking that i desperately was hoping for for months so weird joe patrick there's only there's only one real super league that is the major league of soccer that's the only real one let's let's keep things in perspective here uh elaine and i had played their first major league of soccer game this weekend uh, and nothing really happened <laughs> um, <laughs> all right first of all before we even talk about the game I was uh, I was watching this game on my computer because the game was on Twitter. And whenever Hot I would try Monday. to go, f- whenever I would try to go full screen, it would like be choppy to the point where it wasn't like unwatchable. But I also it was like frying my brain like my it, because of like the frame rate. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then I finally decided like in the second half, <laughs> I minimized it. And I'm just like basically watching the game through a tiny little box like that's in my um feed on twitter so that was fun and then i realized i have an ipad that i could pull it up on so i watched like the last <laughs> 10 minutes on a somewhat decent sized screen but god i do not want to have to go through that again i don't know when our next game is on twitter or uh two to na but um ugh, that was, it's not a good experience there, there are a few and like what i do is i like go to the box on twitter and just hit control plus until the screen just enlarges enlarges and goes Ooh, over and over idea. again that's and so a good it does idea. get bigger but at some point like the thing like breaks and like the screen gets smaller <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. icons on twitter grow like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> massive but, i've definitely done that before when i'm trying to like enhance an image and, you know. <laughs> exactly exactly so you gotta find the right balance it's tough uh, it's tough to find the right balance in soccer as well lady united like we said played pretty much the same game they kind of played against L.O. Wednesday. Of course, it was a little bit better competition. We'll kind of get to that in a second. But first, some housekeeping things to get to. Y'all, we had another interview guest on the Patreon. Y'all got to go check out our Lorenaview, as as I almost said. <laughs> but now I'm rolling with because, holy crap, why did I not think of that earlier? Um, Jeff, Jeff Lorenowitz on the Lorenaview. Uh, we talked with Jeff for probably about an hour and a half. I think it was the other day um, and he was open and candid and, and extremely thoughtful as always about everything. And um, I, it's a good listen. I went back and listened to it. I felt some things. It's it's solid. I, I encourage y'all to check out the Patreon and go check out that. He had the uh, retired man's time on his hands. You know, it was nice not to have anybody <laughs> with another meeting to get to or something mm-hmm. like that. He was just totally relaxed. Still not sure if he's gardening or not. He was like <laughs> pulling the rug out from under us a couple of times with that. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, honestly, 
it was like the best conversation I've ever had about Atlanta United with anybody. So, um, yeah, just recommend everybody to check that out and share it with your with your friends. Um, get them on board, because I think anybody who has an interest in Atlanta United will definitely want to hear this interview. I think it's interesting to look at the kind of things you're getting from Jeff and Parkhurst and Boswell and, and Darren mm-hmm. and all these kind of folks who have been involved with the team. And I think we're really kind of starting to get somewhat closer to piecing together exactly what's happened over the last four years. I don't know if we have it exactly right. You know, there's still a lot of people I'd want to bring in. But like with each thing, I think we're getting closer to the truth, which is like somewhere in the middle. You just get a little things. bit more context, like another kernel mm-hmm. of information that every every time we do one of these. Yeah. And so it's like it's filling in this picture. You know, it's like putting a puzzle together uh, and it's like another piece laid in the laid in there to help you see the picture, the grand picture of what has happened with this club over the last, you know, three years. Or four go. years, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, wow. it's been like four years. Yeah, isn't that wild? Go check that out on the Patreon. We'll have more guests coming up next. Someone will release on Monday. I'm not sure what the interview is going to be yet. We'll figure it It'll out. It'll be somebody. At least somebody so, you guys we will gotta, like. We got to switch it up a little bit. I think the last two ones have been a little too good. We got to lower people's expectations. Yeah, I know. We really Just do. a little bit. <laughs> Can't be doing this all the time. Um, we will also have a, another main show like this one out after the Philadelphia game game and ccl next wednesday so we'll have chicago and then philadelphia on tuesday and then another main show now you know i will say if there's anybody that you guys want to hear from uh from you know on our show that you would like us to talk with feel free to just you know let us know any way you can if you're on the discord you can drop it in there or just you know add us on twitter or whatever with somebody you would want to hear from in an interview i think we'll probably be more like reporter focused once we get into the season like talk to felipe talk to doug talk to maybe even some Chris Vermeister is a guy who used to cover this team a lot. I would be kind of interested to kind of check in with him because now he's just a season ticket holder fan, but he's still reporting in the area. So um, I I think that that's kind of the way we'll go, but who knows? And I would want our listeners to obviously have input into who they want to hear from. So please just let us know. All right. This is like eight minutes of vamping. We got to move on to hot take month. No, just kidding. Not yet. Not yet. Business (laughs) time. We'll go to business time. Business time, Joe Patrick, only real piece of business to get to is the fact that Atlanta and Orlando played to a nil-nil draw. Orlando probably had the better of the chances. There was one in particular with Pato that kind of sticks in my mind that was where he basically got like, you could hear like a parent in the crowd yelling, same team, same team. (laughs) And... Orlando did not score, but they very well could have. Pato looked threatening for a long time until he got hurt, which was a bummer. I hope he's I hope he's doing all right. I have not heard news on that. I think that comes out today. But overall, Atlanta, pretty solid defensively again. Pretty meh getting to the final third and making things happen. But there were there were a few chances here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on, honestly, the best chances came from Brooks Lennon, I think, on yeah. set pieces. Um, early in the game, it seemed like they were dangerous. And I think that, honestly, just like 
like then after the initial like 20 minute period, I felt like the intensity kind of dropped off for Atlanta United. Just, you know, Lisandro Lopez, you got a, a you got a guy who's older uh, up front and he wasn't technically poor or anything like when the ball came to him. But he just doesn't really give you the forward thrust that you really need, especially with the, this collection of players um, going into the attack. You know, one of the things that really kind of came to my mind is that it's something that Frank DeBoer kind of had, you know, issues with in his early tenure as well, the early time of his tenure as well, which is that the team doesn't have enough like runners get trying threatening the opposing defensive line, getting in behind them. Everybody wants to drop and come to the ball. And so when you yep. do that, you can have a lot of possession, you can play lots of passes, but you're not really in the end creating anything threatening. And when you do get in the box, oftentimes you don't have other players in there to get on the end of a cross or just to create havoc in the box. So um, I think that that's something that this team needs to work on. It's probably why Jake Mulraney, a guy like Jake Mulraney is playing because he is just that kind of more direct player who will take a guy on one-on-one and try to get into the box. But I think the fact that he is starting for this team at this point right now is a little bit troubling. Um, just nothing against him personally, but you, you would think that you would have kind of players with more bona fides coming in and being able to provide a threat on the wing. So um, it, it's, it's, it's early days, still kind of the early struggles. But again, I, I'll say the same thing at this point in the season, as I said, was saying when Frank DeBoer first came in, which is that, a new manager just needs time. A new manager needs time to get to let the players get things figured out. You aren't encouraging anybody by saying man. Touche, <laughs> touche. But but OK, on that note, I will say that I think it's very clear that this team is advanced past where they were at the stage with Frank DeBoer. Like, yes, just the, the play in possession just generally looks more threatening. Um, there is more movement among the players. It's not this kind of stagnant formation that we saw under Frank DeBoer. Uh, and that's something that George Bello talked about before the game as well, talking about how with Gabriel Heinze is kind of you know putting into their minds is not that they are playing a certain position per se, but that, you know, the, the goal is to fill in space when a, another player leaves that space and just create that kind of fluidity within the team. Okay. What, what, were, your thought, what, what, were, your, what were your thoughts? I, 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 well, I mean, we can talk about Jake. I think, I think that's maybe the most important position right now, maybe kind of emblematic of what exactly is going on with this team's struggles. Because again, like you said, the, the movement is there. It's going to get better. We are going to see this team get into a lot of the same positions. Hopefully they did against the Alahuense in the first half of that second game where they were kind of getting uh, to the edge of the box on the wing. Uh, they were getting to the end line and, and those are usually good positions to get in. Mm-hmm. My concern right now is are they as the team is constructed right now? I'm trying to parse my way through hot take Monday as the team is constructed right now. Do they have the dudes to actually make it count when they get there? And, and you talk about Jake, who again is direct, but maybe not the paciest dude, maybe not the guy who's really going to kind of run in behind watching the rest of the league this week and kind of understanding how teams were scoring, how teams were getting folks into the box, how teams were getting in behind and making runs and everything like that. It doesn't seem like Atlanta has that yet. Mm-hmm. And I worry that the guys will not be there to do that. Cause I mean, again, you, you look at someone like Marcelino um, who is going to try to beat dudes one-on-one, but maybe he's going to make those runs because he's a midfielder playing the wing right now. And so kind of learned how to do that. Probably um, you look at Zeke's inability to, to play a pass 
pass and transition to someone who's 30 yards open. We'll get to that a little bit later. And then on the right wing, you have Jake or, or Jurgen. And maybe if you like mash both of them together, it's like Jurgen's speed with Jake's kind of direct ability to not give the ball up every single time he touches it. <laughs> you know, maybe then you would have something. But right now, I still remain very, very concerned that this is a team without any players except Joseph, Lissandro, and Cubo, who have not scored more than four times at a top flight professional level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Joseph is one of those guys that you would have in the past relied upon as being one of those guys who threatens in behind. We've seen him so many times making that kind of darting run, either at the far post and the near post, and it's very hard for the defenders to kind of predict that. And I also think that it's why I thought the team looked generally most dangerous late in the game when Machop Chol came on yeah. because he was providing some of that threat, and he's got those, I call them go-go gadget legs. He's uh, so like, <laughs> lanky. <laughs> like, he doesn't even need to get in behind somebody to be able to stick his foot out, like, at the back post and get and get on the end of a cross, which is um, pretty amazing <laughs> just to see it. Uh, but honestly, like, he kind of gives you that threat, and it's just... Even, it's just the idea of putting it in a defender's mind that it's possible for that threat to be there that then can open up so many things for everybody else. But um, I think with Barco, you know, well, go ahead. Well, you know who made the best run of the day? Was Brooks that, Lennon. That's right. Yeah. Brooks Lennon made this diagonal run into what we'll call it zone 14, which is that area next to the arc and the penalty area. Um, it's a place where you, if you get the ball there, most of the time your chances are going to increase of scoring. But he made a diagonal run from fullback in and behind a couple of folks. And I think Marcelino played a gorgeous ball to him in the middle and it nearly resulted in a goal. But yeah. if Brooks Lennon as your fullback is the only one making those runs, do you see why there might be some issues? Right, exactly. Yeah. And I, I gave him, I gave Brooks my man of the match. I thought he was, he's Fair. been, he's been one of Atlanta United's probably like top two or three players in every single game they've played so far this year, which is a great sign for him going forward. Um, I do want to talk about Barco because I feel like he's a player <laughs> in this game who d- kind of divided opinion. Uh, I thought he actually played pretty well, although that he had that one pass at the end that you mentioned. It was like a, there was a wide open ball he had. I think it may have been Chol on the left side that he it's was trying top, to play yeah. it to. And um, I don't know if it was like the grass had dried up at that point in the game because it was late, but like the ball just died on the grass, like not no, even close no, to Chol. Don't give him that. <laughs> don't give him that. Absolutely not. He played it 15 yards to the middle of where he should have played it. Machop was so wide <laughs> he was like nearly on the touchline and zeke hit a center back i swear to god like yeah no i mean it, listen, I, don't, I don't mean it to get too fired pass. up but hot take monday it wasn't a good pass but i just thought generally that barco was actually doing well finding space in between orlando's defensive line and midfield line and turning and running into space the problem is that you know again his wingers he's got marcelino marino on one side who is Okay. Um, I think I gave him a five because I couldn't det- I couldn't tell whether he was good or bad in right. the game. Where it's like he looks kind of awkward as a winger. It doesn't seem like it's a nat- natural position for him at this point. Uh, but it's just like you know when you have a player like Ezekiel Bar, he's just not a player who is going to make runs in behind. He really needs the kind of Tito Vialbas essentially around him. And I feel like that's exactly the kind of player that this team is missing right now. Is just like that goal scoring threat from the wing. Marcelino Moreno and Jake Mulraney really are not the those players and especially when you have a Lysander Lopez who's also going to be a guy who wants to drop off 
of that defensive line and, and link up play. You need those players who are going to be real threats getting in behind and, and a chance to score goals. So, um, you know, this is one of the things that this team needs to work through at this point in the season. And Gabriel Heinze will hopefully be able to do that. He's got a week now before the, the team welcomes Chicago Fire to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You mean the same Tito Viaba that has more goals and assists than both PT and Barco combined in MLS? That that Tito Viaba mm-hmm. who scored mm-hmm. again last night for Paraguay? That one? Just want to make sure we're, we're on the same page. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, no, that again, I mean, you kind of hit on the, on the head there. That's that's my big concern. Where, where are the dudes? Where are... Where are the dudes? Where are the dudes? That's a, that's a title card on Discord. That's that's coming. Um, yeah, no, Eric it, Lopez, where is he? No. Where, I, I, where's Eric Lopez? <laughs> oh, sorry, Joe. At oh, this we know point, you're I'm getting concerned. That. I'm getting concerned about his whereabouts. The, the question is then, how do you fix it, right? And so this is what I've been kind of in, had in the back of my head, and this is the thing that I like. I know is know as much, but I'm going to say it, and we're just going to put it out in the world, and we can have a, a discussion about it. When this summer comes, and I think it's very likely you have Ezekiel Barco still looking about the same. He is now, right? Mm-hmm. There is no point where he's suddenly going to break through. I don't think there's not going to be this point where he breaks through like some kind of glass ceiling and, and takes off. If you are in the summer and that still hasn't even been a progression with him, I think you got to sell him because you're not going to get any more for him if you wait till the winter, right? You sell him, you clear a DP spot and you get yourself a winger that actually knows how to score and move Marcelino back in the midfield. I think you've got a much better team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that the pieces could fit a little bit better right now. And again, that's why I've kind of always looked at this as like a two year plan, essentially, Absolutely. for Gabriel Heinze, because this is a much improved team overall talent wise. But the pieces don't fit together completely perfectly, which is why I think that this can be a, a, a year in which you progress and you build. But then you kind of can fine tune things in that second year to really put together a team that can win every competition you, you play in uh so i agree with you in that respect i think it's for me it's a little early to start um like and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but like uh, to like assume what Barco is going to be at whatever point in the season. But I do generally agree that, um, you know, there is kind of like a, you know, him occupying a DP spot slot is huge because it means you can replace him with anybody. Like there's no limit on if once once you move a player out of a DP spot, um, the the gains you could get back for that are kind of unlimited just based upon what you are willing to spend as a club. And I think that Atlanta United would still be willing to spend quite a lot. I mean, I know we're in the throes of all this pandemics, you know, financial mm-hmm. blowback, but you know, I think that this team still would be willing to spend and, um, yeah, I mean, I think it could be could provide a big opportunity for this team. So I think I think you're right. Uh, but I also don't want to I don't want to sound like we're pushing him out the door because I feel like <laughs> there is still a lot that he can provide for this team. But I mean, he's made it clear, too. I mean, I think that everybody understands that this is his last season at Atlanta United and his performances are going to dictate whether he gets a move to uh, Sevilla or something or a move to Palmeiras or like, you know, Sao Paulo or something. Um, that's kind of what it's come what it's we might, to we might be aiming high with even those to be totally honest well i mean so well, i don't i don't, I, I don't think so. i i will know sevilla <laughs> would be like tops so like i'm just th- and i'm just throwing out like a right yeah no. goodish uh team in spain um but barring that barring a move to europe i definitely think like a, a move to brazil or something would be on the cards yeah and like to backtrack of course so this is this is so early for me to even be really be thinking this 
kind of. I mean, we do have like three years of sample size on him at this point, but yeah, it is early in this particular system. We still yeah. haven't quite seen exactly this team flowing at full force and what that's going to look like. Um, but when it gets there, I do wonder if the high end, if when they do hit those peaks, is, is going to be enough to push this team past a team that is just a, a mid-level playoff team. You know, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it's so early for all of this, but this is just kind of just initial the, per- the initial it, signs, it's, it's right? Monday. It's hot take it's Monday. It's hot take Monday. It's- That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Exactly what it is. I am interested to see how it progresses. I am interested to see if maybe anything changes. Because because right now, I don't know, man. I don't know. It just kind of seems like the same thing keeps happening over and over again. It, and we have so much data points at this point. It's, it's just hard. It's the, the, hard. The, the, Let me tell you this. This is what really set me off. This is why Hot Take Money <laughs> exists. <laughs> it's because I was watching LAFC in Austin. About 60 minutes left. It's a one nothing game. LAFC is up Austin. And a team who is brand new, playing with a brand new coach looks extremely threatening and cohesive going forward looks like they have the guys to get it done with folks like Thomas Thomas Pochettino Cecilio Dominguez and other folks who looked pretty sharp even Danny Houston looked competent for like five minutes there which was wild John Gallagher of all people you'll remember him he was last year's leading scorer on Atlanta United John Gallagher comes on with 30 minutes left and immediately starts creating chances off the wing immediately gets his head to a ball that he probably should have finished it was a really high xg chance in the middle of the box but he ran in and, and, and cut in and made one of those runs that we're talking about and got his head to and it just went over the bar it was frustrating to look back and be like oh we gave this piece up who I mean if you're putting John Gallagher against Jake Mulraney and you're gonna damn we already know who starts in that yeah. right you yeah. know and it's frustrating to look back and be like oh we gave up this piece for 250,000 in the game, which of course the game did come back around to help buy down Marcelino, get a DP center back and everything like that. There could be some larger arguments as to whether or not the DP center back was super highly necessary. Now in hindsight that we kind of realized that Anton is pretty a okay, but that's, that's pedantic. That's, that's harsh. But my take on, on John Gallagher is not, I don't think, I, I really think he should have been the one to stay and that there are other ways to go about getting that gam. Well, I mean, he's exactly the kind of player where he's he's not the Tito in terms of like having the same exact physical attributes in terms of the speed and everything like that. But he is the kind of goal scoring threat that this team could use, you know, a, a, a guy that is willing to make those runs, those, those unselfish runs that are very painful when you're tired, um, but they can make the difference for a team and it, maybe it's not even a guy like John Gallagher actually scoring the goals but just by making the run you create havoc and and you you know change the dynamic that would allow somebody else to score so um I, I definitely see your point there um it's just tough in MLS because and if you ever want to trade and get something you know especially when you've had a really poor season uh you only have so many saleable assets and oh, I know we're gonna have we have a, a question about this a little bit later so we can go a little bit more into like the whole trade situations with teams but uh yeah it's just a tough situation um i'm sure the team would have loved to have john gallagher if they could have kept him but i think yeah. that it, it just shows that he is the kind of player that this team could use right now and they have they have to figure out somebody on the squad now who can do those kinds of things exactly exactly and none of this is to say that anything is bad right now nothing is bad this is not a it's pretty good up. start to the season i, this I is honestly a very think good it's probably as season. good a start as you could have expected at this point absolutely yeah. and you look around the league too and you look at what the the rest of the CCL teams did this week. And I can kind of go through results mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Portland lost one nothing to Vancouver. Toronto lost 4-2 to Montreal. Um, Philadelphia and the crew played to a scoreless draw. And then there was us who also played to a scoreless
scoreless draws. So you had a bunch of teams that didn't score and or lost to Montreal. So <laughs> there were some there. Were, it's tough. It's tough coming off yeah. a midweek game like that, especially this early in the season. I'm not freaking out because we drew with Orlando. I thought it was a good result. All considered going on the road against one of the best teams in the league pretty easily and getting a point. That's huge. You're going to take that every single time, especially in a rivalry game and everything like that. You got to the end. You're kind of like, oh, please, God, please don't lose. I can't handle the Internet if we lose. That didn't happen. <laughs> they survived. They created enough chances to, to make it interesting as well and, and had a few opportunities where they could have won the game outright. I am not saying anything is bad. I'm just kind of looking towards the future and, and wondering if this team will be able to get to the top tier of MLS this year. I think they're mm-hmm. the tier below it right now. And I don't know how soon that progression is going to come. It may take a second. And I'm interested to see what moves they make to to rectify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll be interested to see what this team looks like against Chicago on Saturday, because it will be the first time they've had a full week in between games, obviously, since they've kind of started these competitive matches. Well, no, I guess they had the full week in between the two Ala Walenza games. But, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, when it comes to this Orlando game, you probably didn't have a ton of time to prep outside of doing video work because just of the shortened schedule, um, you know, you're doing recovery. They probably had one training session, maybe yeah. two. I'm trying to do the math in my head and it's too early. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I expect them to look a lot better um, and it'll be interesting to see how they deal with the conditions at home. But regardless of how they look, I just can't wait for that game because it should be super fun to have people back, people back and we'll be back there. And um, yeah, I just can't wait for Saturday. Yeah, it'll be it'll legit be the first time I've seen you in like a year, I think. Yeah, Not ever soon, crazy. which yeah. is wild. But y'all don't sleep on Chicago. Chicago got some. Oh, ballers. yeah. Chicago scored a couple goals against New England. New England didn't know it hit them in the first 20 minutes. Their goal in the fifth minute. That one that was a tap in that was like Ooh, that was a ridiculous uh, goal. Just a gorgeous gorgeous goal with it. You kind of like that's one of those things where you look at it and you go wait Chicago is doing that <laughs> yeah. you know delivering these gorgeous balls and these making these great runs and, and delivering a tap in for Robert Barrett who was allowed to score one goal a game every game but nothing more <laughs> ever. Go look at his stat sheet it's hilarious. They're doing that you're looking at us going wait wait shouldn't shouldn't we be we be doing that like comparison thief of joy all that kind of thing i'm just saying i just want to know how this team gets the top end that's all Mm -hmm. that's all i also want to call out one last thing and this actually was a quote from before the game um and i think it was was gabriel heinze was talking about this and he was talking about the the what this what playing these games allow him to see is to see how the players react and play differently in a game situation versus how they play in a training situation where in a training situation you can just give them an instruction you execute the instruction and you know etc you know whatever um and i'm just making something up but then when you have all these different pressures that happen in a game where you know you're just you're just in that free flow state you're kind of on your own out there um you you might make different decisions and play a different way so i think that will also be something in in what we have heard is a very kind of detail oriented system like heinze's is is to like at what point do those players kind of feel that freedom where they're they stop thinking and they just start it just becomes natural and they just start playing with one another. I think that mm-hmm. once it when it gets to that point, it will be clear. And I do think that the the chance creation will will kind of go up and as a result. That's a great point because something that I kind of had in my head too, kind of thinking about the game was just the, thinking about the hesitancy of players to get in the box. Mm-hmm. And and you look at a team like LAFC and watch how they create chances. You know, with with square and balls at the top of the box, with 
guys cutting in and you kind of get into that middle part of zone 14 again and you play a diagonal through ball and everything like that with guys running in Atlanta is too hesitant right now mm-hmm. you know I mean that's never going to be they're never going to be LAFC in the case that Bob Bradley is like every single human has to get forward or you're kicking you off the team <laughs> or maybe even accidentally substituting you oops sorry but Atlanta doesn't have that right now and it will kind of get there I think it won't get to that level but I think you're exactly right once that hesitancy goes away people will feel more comfortable knowing that they have backup behind them because again I think that's something interesting that George Bellow has talked about is that it's this positional play which is becoming very in vogue in in world soccer as far as a tactical perspective where you simply just fill in for the next guy if they leave their position and you kind of rotate that way and back them up so once everyone gets more comfortable with that you should see guys getting forward in a way that makes this team way more threatening please Mm -hmm. hopefully agree agree you ready to uh take some questions let's do it after this quick break and before we get back into the show did just want to shout out once again our partners at lucid fc for bringing you this episode of five stripe final they've got a new shop out um in buckhead it's right behind the whole foods there uh the address is 3209 paces ferry place northwest if you want to write that down or google it or whatever but i cannot wait to see what they get done there because i think that that shop is going to be um experiential to say the least these guys are really creative and uh, i think that it will be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that would be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra extra large, and the uh, price points from eight dollars to three hundred and eighty dollars. So there's something in there for everybody, uh, and it has just launched, and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, LucidFC.us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some Modern World clothes. Wow, Joe, what a break. You guys had questions. We have answers, probably. We'll figure it out. First time caller ask. Obviously, three matches in with three clean sheets and only two goals. One questionable PK and a garbage time poke in. The focus is on offense production, but with Joseph recovering, the team showing they are still learning under Gabby and normal early season finishing issues. Are there any foundational concerns we should be paying attention to? Way to sum up the entire first part of the show (laughs) there, first time caller. And I don't know why this reminded me of when I asked Lennon about this after the second Alajolenza game. I asked if there was like, you know, something about the lack of chance creation or whatever. He's like, we've scored two goals in two games. So uh, <laughs> it's like, oh. yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> you sure have, bud. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, all that's to say is I guess the team is trying to downplay um, the lack of chance creation so far this season. Um, and maybe it's, I don't know, making themselves feel good. But um, <laughs> can I ask I, you a question? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Please ask me anything. Uh, do you, do me you remember? Do you remember my before Hot Take Monday even existed? Before it was just a twinkle in our mind's eye. Do you remember my big take for the season on on how many goals we would score? This, this R- remind me at all? Yes, I, it I, is. I remember my prediction was completely wrong. <laughs> I said that this team would score less than Frank's mm. 2019 
Atlanta Ooh. United. Now they're going to score more than the one goal a game 2020 did. But I think I think Frank's team was like 1.7 or something like that, which isn't horrific. It's not yeah. good. It's not yeah. horrific, though. What do you think about that right now? Mm, it's sounding it's sounding quite smart. My, I mean, my <laughs> prediction was that they would score a bunch and give up a bunch, which is clearly not happening. So it's definitely better than my prediction. I thought you were right. I think it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, may, it definitely makes sense. It's squaring with, with what we've seen so far. So because mm-hmm. uh, this team definitely just has that kind of look about it where there's again, uh, I could go back to a lot of things we said in that first half of the show, but just like a lot of um, thinking, a lot of thinking. It looks like there's just a lot of thinking happening and not enough just like genuine reactions. Um, and I think that that will come with time. I think by the end of the season, we'll look at this team as being a potent offensive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just who, who knows how long it's going to take before that kind of turns. And again, like I said last week, what helps to those growing pains is having a back line as good as we've had. Yes. So far. Yes. Right. And then you throw in a DP center back into the equation. This is a very, very solid team defensively. They aren't going to give up a lot of huge chances, I don't think. And even if they do give up chances where they are one on one, I feel really confident. And especially, of course, Miles. But the other guys can do a shift as well if they're one on one and kind of stuck on an island. This is not going to be a team that, that gives up a ton of goals, which will make the next few months a little bit easier because at least we'll be getting some results. I don't think think like the goofy Frank DeBoer-esque losses to like Cincinnati are going to come, you know? Yeah. So here, I'm just spitballing here. But when, when you talk about how good this team is defensively, especially when you when you throw Franco Escobar into the mix or Franco, uh, Alan Franco into the mix, uh, <laughs> that will not be the first time the last time I make that error. Um, There's also Franco Ibarra. Did a key oh, in, yeah, in my gosh. Dish. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm thinking like it's, it's got to be so hard to drop Anton walks from this team right now. He's been basically perfect uh, so far this season. So like, could you do uh, play a three man back line with all three of those guys and then just go f- absolutely just like throw put on like two strikers play Jose Martinez and Lissandra Lopez and Barco all together like would would something like that work I don't know maybe it would I'm, I don't know Father Martinez asks with walks playing well what are the chances that we play some matches with a back three of Franco Robinson and walks <laughs> how would that affect Lennon Sosa and Bello. I don't think it would. My bad. Right? <clears throat> like Lennon Sosa Bello would still. Yeah, I mean, I think Le- Lennon would definitely still play. Yeah, all, all three of those guys yeah. would definitely still play, I think. I think the difference would be, do you take, would you then um, remove uh, Heinemann and replace him with like a striker? I'm trying to think of trying all to the do positions. Math here. Or maybe it would be a winger that you, maybe, well, you move Marcelino Mar- Central. Marcelino Moreno. Yeah, move so Marcelino in behind Joseph and then Barco and Sosa. If right? you played a three-man back line with Franco, Walks, and Rob Robinson. You would you would still probably want Lennon and Bello on your wings, right? So that's a five. And then you've got <laughs> Sosa playing Sosa. central midfield, right? Next next to Marcelino Moreno in central midfield with Barco and two strikers. Would that work? Maybe I don't know. I don't, so, say that, okay, we're playing FIFA here. You See, the thing is, right? <laughs> you would you would remove a winger like a Jake Mulraney in this case from the team and replace right. with. Uh, like another striker, I guess. Yeah. And it would require Which, a, a bit of a reshuffling, but I mean, we are playing FIFA here. We have no we idea how this would actually <laughs> fit under, under Ainsley's system. But like yes. you think about the skill sets of George and especially Brooks, who plays a great ball in, you know, having an extra striker in there for him to do that when they're already getting 
forward. Doesn't seem like the worst idea in the entire world. Just feels like this team needs more bodies centrally and high up the pitch uh, to, yeah. to get in the box and create havoc. So I don't know. It'll be it'll certainly be fascinating to see what happens. To, to answer the, the heart of the question, though, playing a back three, it is possible. We could see it, I think. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know if you necessarily have to right now, especially with the way that, you know, George and Brooks are able to, to already get forward pretty much and what Sosa does as he shields that back line and as he drops into a back three essentially anyway you know I'm not sure adding a third center back is really going to be the the answer to that Um, but I don't know Mm -hmm. yeah thinking about it like you could add a second striker if you really wanted to anyway right sure yeah yeah you could just move him centrally on the way I don't know I I think you could figure it out it's a good question though it's nice that we have that flexibility at the very least right a lot of flexibility on that back line it's very Mm. very talented very very talented Philip asks is it safe to say that through three games Lennon and Sosa have been hands down the best players for Lady United so far. I would um, mostly say yes. I think you could definitely make a case for both Anton and Miles. Exactly. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I all four of those guys, n- none of them have really put much of a foot wrong, and this mm-hmm. team has not given up a goal yet. So I, I think that that's a kind of evident that they've been playing their positions very well. I think it's impressive about Anton, too. I just want to say this. He has been so steady. His positioning has been so good. He's not the athlete that Miles is. Um, he's not going to be the athlete that Alan Franco is, right? He, he's mm-hmm. not extremely explosive dude he's a body right Mm -hmm. but his ability on the ball and his positioning has been what's made him so successful so far it's basically like it's not quite like tall parkhurst but it's that kind of same vein right (laughs) which like tall parkhurst that's like a top one center back in the league maybe less than that a little bit and you kind of ended up with what anton is doing which is which is awesome because that's the kind of guy we've always said that miles kind of thrives next to you know is as a parkhurst type and we've kind of found that inadvertently i think and Anton at center back. And I'm also just impressed with the way that he's been able to play uh, pretty much flawlessly, despite the fact that, you know, a player like him probably knows that, you know, a center back's coming in, could be coming for his position that can create lots of mental disturbances and cause errors on the field. But we have not seen that at all from him. So huge credit to Anton. We should get Anton on the show. I think that may be our guest Monday. Let's try that. Mm, maybe. Mm. John ask, which is the more important development of the first few matches? The defense looking solid, even minus Frank or the offense seemingly not click on all cylinders thus far, which trend will have the most impact on how this season turns out. I think I want to answer that last question. We kind of talked about the first parts already, but which one will have the most impact? And I think as long as the defense is going, this won't be completely awful. Yeah. You know, this team will get results, you know, um, as long as the defense is going, because we can suddenly start scoring. But if we're giving up goofy late goals, a la, you know, it seemed like Portland did a lot last year or anything like that. They're not going to get the results and people are going to be frustrated anyway. So mm-hmm. the defense is a key. Yeah. To me, this is just a kind of a classic glass half full or glass half empty kind of question where it's like, you know, what do you you what are you value valuing more at this point uh and i definitely think that in the short term it's definitely going to help the results to be able to keep other teams off the board especially while you're just in this early phase of trying to get the tactics ingrained and and fluid within the team so um i i, I don't I, but there's a big difference in terms of how that's going to impact you at the end of the season where if this team is still not creating chances by the end of the season then that becomes more of an issue than it is right now if that makes sense hey look just make the playoffs in mls you can play great defense for four that's games and, and win the cup you know that's true so we'll see we'll see uh uh, ATL Greg asked, could you see us potentially trading walks and or con? I kind of get where the thought process is here and that walks is someone who is 
rapidly accumulating value. There's no value within the league I can think of that would really translate to a successful trade for Anton right now. Yeah. And this is what I was going to talk about when we were talking about John Gallagher earlier in the show, where it's like you sell him or you trade him because he has value. He at least has some value. Uh, And I see that that's where obviously the question is coming with walks. It's not that he wouldn't isn't uh, a a good player. Um, Mm -hmm. And clearly we've kind of praised him so far on this show. But yeah, it's like he has value. What could you get for him? And would whatever you get for him be an overall asset to the team that would help the team in the long term? Um, I don't know. Probably not a ton. I I think that you keep walks, um, although it's just very it's always easier to say that. So and same thing for Ken. I just don't think he has any any value at all on this market. Especially like an aging goalkeeper who is uh, not really uh, proven as uh, just not a guy who has value. He's a likable guy. You know, he, I think everyone just guy. enjoys having yeah. him around. And if that's your skill set, dope, cool. Hang out. And honestly, you know? he's probably more valuable to Atlanta at this point just because of, you know, what he's developed here so far than to any other team like a new team he would be going to so yeah. uh but i still don't you know with with young goalkeepers in this in the pipeline i don't i don't foresee this lasting much longer for can philip ask is my criticism for Heinemann warranted i see it as a top paid player to be one of the top performers on the pitch not a guy that seems to disappear on the pitch half the time let's talk about emerson because emerson i we were talking halfway through the game and kind of went oh, okay he's doing some things i am noticing emerson Heinemann, which is a new experience sometimes you you know, sometimes mm-hmm. he, he does. Jeff is or Philip is right. He does <laughs> disappear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I am noticeably tangibly feeling <laughs> yes. Emerson Heidman <laughs> in this building tonight. Right. I think I, I think where we noticed him was defensively. I think there were a few moments where there was one play in particular where he tracked back and made a great play that probably saved a goal. Mm. And I think just seeing those things is enough in our brains to trigger. OK, this is a player who is contributing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be the same conversation that we always have with Heinemann, where you're always going to look at his contract and you're going to judge him against that versus anything else. Um, And we probably should judge him based on whether we think he's helping the team more or less than another player on the roster would be. And I think that right now he is probably your best option right now in one of those central midfield spots. Um, You know, I I think the question is, again, he's a player who's not going to instinctively want to make that run, make that make the run and behind the defensive line. And so I think that that, that's just just another player uh, in this whole collection of players who, who doesn't want to do that. And I think that that's the biggest issue with a guy like Hyman more than anything else. And that's not to say that I have an issue with his game in general. I just think that you need a collection of players that fit together and he can be one of those players. And sometimes I feel like, you know, his traits that he brings to the game maybe aren't necessarily what you need in a particular matchup and you want to use somebody else. So I think he can be a useful player for this team, but there might be times when a different profile of player is preferred over him, which I mean, and we still haven't really even hit on the the contract part of it, which like it's just going to be the thing with him. It's always yeah, years. it's always it's gonna just be always going to be there. You know, is what it is at this point. Logan asked before the broadcaster said so on the Twitter feed. Did you know that Brooks Lennon's dad is named John? I did actually. I think we knew that when when he came in. I think we pointed that out. I thought that was interesting. Anyway. I mean, you definitely you definitely would have noticed that and pointed it out. But yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know why we didn't make that rapid fire. Pacinino, <laughs> three clean sheets, <laughs> but just one goal from what the run of play besides getting joseph healthy what can be done to get the attack really clicking you could sell barco (laughs) (laughs) 
kidding. Again, I mean, I'm totally kidding. I mean, Definitely kidding. I mean, uh-huh. Yeah. Again, I think we've talked about this a lot, but to me, it's just runners, 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 runners. You need runners yeah. getting in behind and creating that threat. And the hope is that 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 can be Joseph, you know, that Joseph can get back. I thought he looked better uh, in this game when he came on in the 20 minutes. Um, there was one time where he did. He kind of threw his body into a challenge a little bit, not a challenge on the ground, but just uh, kind of got physical. And you could almost see the hesitation at first, but then you could see he kind of made it out through. And that I think was a positive sign for him. Um, and I think that he's just generally looking fitter every time I see him. I feel like he's he's looking a little bit slimmer and, um, you know, ready, more match fit. And so I think that as that improves, I think that that will just help in general in terms of creating all the chances. Something I want to point out, too, and we kind of haven't mentioned it yet, is that Orlando was sitting back a little bit and, and hoping to get, play in transition. You know, that's always yeah, where they're going to be at their best. They're going to be at their best running at folks. Atlanta has not had similar success in, in getting into transition moments. And when they do, again, it'll be something like Zeke will play the wrong pass or something like that. You know, and it's so crucial or, to hit those transition moments in MLS. Yeah. Or it'll be like Zeke running with the ball for 40 yards upfield, which is good and fine. And like, if that's the only thing option for him, then it's then that's what he should do. But I think that that speaks to a lack of other dynamism that surrounds him. Mm-hmm. I think that's you a know? great point. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So I also want to point in too that I, I how do you feel about the counter press so far? I thought we were maybe going to see maybe a little bit more of it, but maybe haven't really had the opportunities or just maybe don't have the cohesiveness yet to, to really make it count. I thought the it, team was counter pressing very well toward the end of the game. And I, and I thought that that's yes. where a lot of their best chances were coming from. And I would like to see them move even more in that direction. And that's why I do wonder to go back to this Alan Franco situation. If you have three lockdown center backs back there, does that let you have feel the freedom to really be aggressive in that counter press and go forward? Because I think at least for the short term right now, that's where a lot of the great chances uh, mm-hmm. can really be created is simply just through those counter pressing situations. Yeah, I, I've got it's It's kind of crazy to think about. I really don't think we've seen too much pressing, frankly, yeah. like not not to the extent that maybe we thought we might. We know he wasn't quite going to be like full out be also craziness all the time. Yeah, you know, but we, but I did kind of think we maybe see a little bit more. Maybe that is something that will be integrated as they continue to move through. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where some of the chances will start to come. That's something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on. Something else to keep an eye on, Joe Patrick, and keep your eye very, very closely because we're moving quickly this is rapid fire smurphy ask is it too soon to get my sosa jersey no. absolutely not no, no way go grab that thing he's a stud go look at his passing chart from last week it was awesome father oh, martinez beautiful. with the super league clubs band who will win the 2023 club world cup final between atlanta united and brighton <laughs> um, brighton sorry i've, pl- I've played no. this matchup in my uh in the football manager thing i did in the depths of the pandemic with with uh, atlanta united in the premier league and i think we beat brighton so it's gotta uh, be atlanta united not not gonna happen sequels are too much sequels are too too much warnock beagles fly darren eagles ask is the eric lopez hype the friends we made along the way <laughs> joe patrick i didn't make i didn't make any friends i only God, made i hope not i hope not we need to like set up a search party for eric lopez where is this guy <laughs> hashtag where's eric please ask please ask we gotta find out warnock beagles fly darren eagles ask you are waiting by hindsight's office the next game and realize he is outside ripping clouds on his fruity pebble vape rod right before he has to <laughs> submit the starting lineup what did what alterations do you make to the 18 to get us back in the goal scoring business you move from like a fruity pebble vape to like a mint vape that's the secret right 
don't know. Maybe, uh, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Allison asks, how do you feel about the current form of Gallagher and Tito in relation to what Barco is doing? I feel bad. I feel real bad. It feel, hurts. It hurts. I feel, feel some type of way. Let's not get too ahead on Gallagher. I know I'm like hyping up Gallagher, but like maybe maybe he's actually bad. Maybe maybe I'm just missing something. I don't know. Robot Engineer asks, if you could undo one front office decision today other than selling Almiron, what would it be? And my God, would I take Tito Viaba back in a heartbeat? I, I really can't think of another player that would make this click better unless like somehow you threw way more money at maybe Darlington. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's so tough. And obviously there's so many money things that happen in this and this is rapid fire. So I'll say Julian Gressel because that's a different name than what you mentioned. That was a different name. I don't. <laughs> mm, yeah, you're right. That was rapid <laughs> fire. Quick one today. Quick one day. Joe, any thoughts before we get out of here? No, I just, uh, again, I'm looking forward to the weekend, looking forward to a home game with many vaccinated people inside. It's going to be beautiful. Are you going to go to the Gulch? Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll swing by there. I'll drop I'm, in. I'm a superhuman now, so I think I might walk around Same. and just kind of see what's up. I'll have my yeah. mask on, but I may say, say, see what's up. Say, hey, come say, hey, guys. S- say hello if you see us. We're always happy to say, hey, and then awkwardly make small talk a little bit. It's always fun. Always fun. Go check out our interview with Jeff Lerona. It's on the Patreon. Go check out our interview with Darren Eels on the Patreon. So Go good. check out our interview with Michael Parker's on the Patreon. Go check out our interview with Bobby Boswell on the Patreon. There are so many interviews on this Patreon and so many other things coming your way. And of course, we'll keep doing the main show as well. Feel free to find us on Twitter at Five Stripe Final, at J underscore Sam Jones, and at J Patrick 200. We're all right there, willing and ready to talk to you for hours and hours and hours about anything <laughs> Atlanta United, MLS, and life in general. That's all I got. Let's get out of here. Bye, all. Hot take money. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.